Lord, we thank you so much for everything you're doing in and through this house. And right now, Lord, we don't want to hear my words, my thoughts, or my opinions. We just want to hear your truth. So say what you want to say and do what you want to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you. Get in the dance. Some of y'all got spoiled last week because I only preached like 40 minutes. It, it may be another one of those. For those of you that don't know, I usually go a lot longer than that. Um, but I've heard that I need to start serving up chunks of meat in smaller portions, and that's what I'm trying to do. Um, I want to begin by picking up where I ended last week because I will believe it will set us, it will set us up properly for the message about getting in the dance. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, it says, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That word rest doesn't mean to sit around and do nothing. That word rest actually simply means to be placed. He says, come to me, all you who are striving and trying to earn your way into my presence, and I will actually place you exactly where you need to be. Because it's not about striving and trying to earn anything. The one who earned everything did it on the cross. We don't have anything to earn. We have, what we have is an invitation to come to me, and I will give you proper placement. He says, strivers, people who are working with heavy labor, toiling all day to be worthy to get in my presence, he says, stop working for it and realize that all you need to do is come to me and I will give you the placement that you've been striving for. He says, stop striving and learn to simply know me. Do you hear this? Stop striving and come to know me. Believe it or not, you cannot do anything to earn favor or right standing with God. He did everything on the cross and says, I am gifting this to you. I am giving you the ability to come before me perfectly postured and, and I'm looking at you as a, as a righteous, perfected individual. We get to come into his presence as if we were completely right because he did that for us. Does that make sense? In Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, it even says this, so there is a special rest waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter into that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Now, I didn't get into this last week, and this is kind of where I want to start off with tonight, is why would we fall? Because rest or placement cannot be separated from obedience. Jesus has given us all the authority. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And remember last week we likened that to a prophetic picture when Solomon brought, uh, built the temple and they brought the Ark of the Covenant in. It says something very interesting that when it was brought into Solomon's temple, there was no jar of manna and Aaron's rod was not in it. The only thing left in the Ark of the Covenant was actually the stone tablets. I believe it's a prophetic picture for us. That we have the authority, we've been blessed with all we need, but we still need to keep to the obedience of his instructions. 
we still need to lean into the instruction from the Lord because rest does not permit lazy, grace-prostituted living. You hear that? Rest does not permit lazy, grace-prostituted living. And what I mean by that is we've, we've adopted this false doctrine in the church where because God gives us grace, we're allowed to do anything and we're covered in that grace. No, no, no. Grace allows you to come in despite what you've done. Grace does not say I'm saving you so that you can do anything you want to do and don't worry, one day you'll be with me. That's not what God wants. Living according to instruction should not be synonymous. Well, let me say this. Rest does not permit that kind of living, but living according to the instruction should not be synonymous with earning. Because we need the instruction and we need the obedience, but obedience to the instruction does not earn you the right to come in. He earned you the right to come in, so our response is obedience to the design, obedience to the instruction. Rest is understanding that in knowing God, good works are no longer a basis for righteousness. His work is a basis for righteousness. And where I went into, because he wants to invite us into that rest, invite us into that placement, we talked about how Sabbath rest is not limited to a one-day-a-week rhythm. Is there a Sabbath every week that we take? Absolutely. If you don't, you should. It's in the design. God worked six and rested one. But in my Bible, I don't see him working six, resting one, and then picking up work again. You ever notice that? It says he did everything he needed to do, and he rested on the seventh day. Sabbath rest is cutting off the vine called striving and understanding that in Christ there is permission to simply be in a seventh-day state of rest. You no longer have to labor whether you're in the seventh-day Sabbath as in I am invited into a knowing Christ so intimately that I am rested every day. Rested in what? Not from not doing anything but rested in I know God, and in that I have placement. It's an invitation to enter into the same rest the Father did on the seventh day. And here's what I want to flow into, that because we're invited into this state of rest or this state of placement, the question everyone usually asks when you hear something like that is, okay, we're invited into placement and we're in this, this, this state of placement, this state of rest, because he said it is finished on the cross. So all the work's done, all the laboring's done. If it's finished and I can come into placement, what is my placement? What is, where, where do I get placed? That's what I want to go into tonight. Because we're not separated we're actually invited back into oneness. So as I was studying for tonight, the Lord told me that I needed to specifically highlight a concept, and that is communion with God is getting in the dance. Communion with God is getting in the dance. So in order to get to the dance, some of y'all look at me like, what? The dance? Don't worry. I'm going to build it. 
In order to get to the, to the dance, and just so y'all know, I'm going to ask for three volunteers to get up here and dance. So, And I want some ugly, like, ugly dancing. Like, just... <laughs> In order to get there, we got to talk about communion. Now, I talked about communion a little bit three weeks ago, but I want to review it so that we can properly understand what this whole dance thing is all about. In Genesis 3, 6 through 7, I want you to read this with me. It says, the woman was convinced. Who was the woman? Eve. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Adam and Eve took from a tree, and ate it. Someone say, take and eat. They were walking with God, in total communion with God, every step of the day, in the cool of the day, they were just with him, and then all of a sudden, they go to a place they never should have been, and, and when they're in the place, they start to crave a wisdom that God designed them to never need. And when they took and ate it, they, they entered into a communion with someone or something other than God. And when Jesus came to the earth and walked with his disciples three years, it says this in Matthew 26, 26, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread, blessed it, he broke it in pieces, gave it to the disciples, and he said, take this and eat it. This is my body. And what we don't catch is there was a take and eat that was perverted in the garden. They took and eat, they took and ate communion with something that they were never supposed to take and eat of. So not only did Jesus restore everything on the cross, he actually restored proper communion. He said, they took and eat from there, I'm inviting you to take and eat from here. Is that making sense? Oh, that, that's good stuff right there. The Last Supper was actually an invitation into appropriate knowing because in the garden we entered into inappropriate knowing. We were never supposed to know anything other than communion with God and that is essentially the problem with believers is we commune with everything but God and we wonder what, where is God. But the fact of the matter is God has not gone anywhere. He's simply waiting for you to come to proper communion. Are, are y'all getting this? We got up from the presence of God and we communed and took and ate from a different table. Communion has less to do with bread and wine, even though we just took the bread and the, you know, virgin wine. <laughs> and more to do with understanding the examples of bread and wine. It's inviting you into a day-to-day -day communion with God. And this communion with God brings you into appropriate knowing. I will be so bold to say that Jesus does not want to build his church based on head knowledge that Jesus saves. He wants to build his church on a people who have communion with the one who saves. And this knowing brings his kingdom into an earth realm from a heavenly realm. You hear that? He says, it's not enough that you know who I am. It's not enough that you say my name. 
Because he says, even people who say my name and cast out demons in my name will come to me and I will say to them, what? I never knew you. It's not enough to just proclaim that you believe in Jesus when you're seven years old. It is, have you entered into communion with the one you said yes to? Have you entered into that communion? Because when you enter into this communion, he says, thy kingdom will come and thy will will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. So the key to getting heavenly things in this earth is communion. Because what we'll do is we'll, we'll pray things and we'll have these desires and we wonder why we never see them come to pass. And I wonder, have we turned the key of just communing with God? Because in that communion, he says, when you come to know me, you will know exactly what I need and what I want for you. It's a relationship. And if you, don't, if you haven't figured it out yet, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a dance with God. And it's going to get even more deeper in the dance. Just give me a moment. In order for Jesus to show us communion, we have to understand something very big. In order for Jesus to invite us to communion, he himself had to have also been in communion. You can't teach things you don't experience. He says, I'm going to invite you to commune with me and now we have to understand that he was actually in communion with who? John 14, 8 through 12. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. Now, don't go, don't go forward. Just keep this up here. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Can you imagine what Jesus must have done in that moment, like jaw drop? This dude's been walking with Jesus, seeing miracles, seeing things that you would never think possible, possible, and he says, when are you going to show us God? He says, Look, show us the Father. We'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show them to you? Now, now listen to that now. We've, a lot of us have heard this scripture, but I want you to hear this. He says, you want me to show you the Father because you think the Father is separate from me. And what the church has done is we separated Father, Son, Holy Spirit into this hierarchy of the Father is wrath, Jesus is grace, and Holy Spirit's cray cray. <laughs> he says, Why are you asking this? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak, verse 10, are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Not the Father who is in heaven who sent me, but the Father who is in me. You know what he was showing them? That there was a divine communion going on the entire time, which is why Jesus acted with miracles and cast out demons and did all these things because he could do nothing apart from his Father. And it wasn't just a walking with, it was a walking in. Verse 11. 
Just believe that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You cannot have one person of the Trinity without the other two. Because if there was one part of the Trinity at work, then Jesus would not be the fullness of God. So Jesus, fully God in man form, says, Philip, you keep asking me to show you the Father. But what you do not understand is that in my very makeup and in my very DNA, the Father and I are one. I am in him and he is in me. The Father and the Son cannot operate separate from each other. That's why if you read when Jesus is talking about coming to the world, when he went, went, talking about leaving, leaving uh, the cross and joining the Father, he says, joining the one who I was with before I came. The Father and Son cannot operate separate from each other or the Holy Spirit. Because we see that he was descended upon Jesus, and according to Luke 4.1, Jesus was full of Holy Spirit. So the entire time, we're seeing that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were together, and Philip's like, when are we going to see him? And, 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 and furthermore, this is not on my notes, but I'm, I'm going to go here for a second. If we believe that we are identified in Christ... A lot of us say, I cannot wait to see the Father. But just like Moses had face-to-face -face encounter, the Father says, you do not have to wait for your flesh to die to have face-to-face encounter with me. Because for some reason, we have separated Jesus and the Father, or even Holy Spirit and the Father. The fact of the matter is, there is an invitation to a divine communion with the Godhead three in one, The Trinity has been communicated as three persons of God in one. This is where we're getting tonight. Let me see if I've skipped anything yet. No, I'm good. No, I, I, I did skip something. The Trinity has been communicated as three persons of God in one. I want to redefine that tonight. The Trinity is the communion between all three parts of God. Jesus says, I cannot do a thing separated from my Father because we are in constant communion. If there is a constant communion between the three parts, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, then we must take on a different perspective of the cross. Because the Father did not put his wrath on Jesus. They all received it as one. The Father was in communion and in Jesus on the cross. What we have grown up, we've grown up with this theology that the Father had to put his wrath on his son so that his son could pay for our debt of sin. But I put forth to you that the Father did not pour his wrath out. Paul even says it, that we crucified him. And the Father and Jesus and Holy Spirit were all crucified together. That's how much the Father loves you. Hear that. The, Jesus says, I am in the Father, the Father is in me. They shared the cross. 
That's why when darkness came, came upon from 12 to 3, Jesus says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? They were together. This is important because when darkness fell, we have to understand that there is no scripture that says the Lord turned his face. That's an assumption because we are trying to explain the darkness. It's nowhere in scripture. <laughs> when darkness fell, it was not that God turned away when Jesus says, why are you abandoning me? It was in that moment they were being crucified, communing together. And when he is expecting for the release, he says, why have you abandoned me? Because their communion was separated in that moment. They were taking on the sins of the world. They were being crucified together. In other words, it's kind of like Jesus saying, you too. There was this abandonment because it, it, it seemed like there was this interruption in the communion. <clears throat> and then what happened was three hours later, it says he released himself of the pain. And Jesus did it because he and the Father and the Spirit were unified in the time, at the right time of crucifixion. I, I, I know that this is a lot to take in, but hear me on this. Jesus was crucified, but there was a three-in-one communion on that cross. It wasn't Father was mean and sent the Son so that he could die for us. Because the Son was in the Father, the Father was in the Son. I'm saying that to help break down some religious strongholds of you thinking that the Father, you have to earn the right to get in the Father's presence by accepting Jesus. It's you accept Jesus so you can be made right before the three in one. You hear this? The Father is not the mean version of God. Jesus himself said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Which means any character that you put on the Father that you don't see in Jesus is a false image of the Father. You know what God's wrath is? It's love. Think, th think about the flood. We, we, we look at wrath and go, oh, he, he wiped out people. But, his, but you know what his wrath was? It was, I love you so much that I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do because I want you all saved. And most of them rejected him because it was too crazy. And we look at it as the wrath of God wanted to punish the people. But the wrath of God says, this has to happen. Please get on the boat. Is this, is this too much? It was a three-in-one communion. And, and if, if that's too hard for you to believe, I'll prove it with Scripture. Colossians 1, 19-20. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. And he made peace with everything in heaven and on the earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. You hear that? He did it through the man, but they were all together on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he's brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and you're blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. <laughs> 
Do you hear what the wrath of God is? The wrath of God says the fullness of God is going to be crucified on that cross so that you can stand in my presence blameless. That's love. Now, the Father didn't do it through Jesus alone. They were one so that we can be reconciled. The call of the church is to stand blameless. And the church teaches us that you are a sinner and you need to feel bad. But let me correct that. The fullness of God, the three in one, reconciled us through the blood on the cross. And it is, it is illegal, if you will, in the kingdom of God to understand that he redeemed you and then you still identify as a sinner. We have got to throw away this junk theology of I am a sinner and I am no good because you are actually coming against what he says right here. He says you're holy and you're blameless. So the minute you say I am a sinner, you're actually in rebellion to your true identity in Christ. You don't take on the identity as a sinner. You simply submit false identity of sin in the presence that you used to not be worthy of. Did you know that when they identified people as saints, it wasn't just that they were good people who knew great theology, but one of the qualifications of saintlyhood was that they knew God and they acted in the miraculous? Not just head knowledge, but they operated in bringing heaven to earth. Sainthood is not the 12 apostles. We are not sinners. We are actually embodied into an identity as saintly. And he says, as a saintly priesthood, you bring heaven to earth. Understanding that the three in one died for you to make you right to do it. Does this make sense? Now, I'm, I'm building a lot of things right now because I'm, I'm getting to the fun part. But you've got to understand this before we get to this part. It was all of God giving all of himself to get all of you. I don't want you to hear the wrong thing. I'm not taking away the fact that Jesus poured out his blood on the cross. I'm not taking away from the fact that the Father sent his Son to this earth to die for us. But I am introducing you to the truth that the Father was with him when he did it. They were in constant communion. Throughout Scripture, we see over and over the three in one. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And there's actually some words used to describe all of this, to describe the communion of three persons. And the word I want you to write down and get, and, and I want you to get it into your being for all your days, is perichoresis. Perichoresis. Everyone say it with me. Perichoresis. This is the Greek version, and it's not up there, but there's a, and just keep it up there, uh, if you will, Michael, but 
the Greek is perichoresis, and there's a Latin term used called circumincession. Circumincession. The Latin circumincession, which is the Latin version of perichoresis, derives from two words, circum and incidere. Circum means around or a circle, as in the circumference of a circle. Incidere means to go or to step or to march along. To go, to step, to march in the form of a what? A circle. So we have this picture of a circle. The Greek perichoresis derives from perichorio, which means to be in space, to enter in, or to place. Y'all didn't catch it. The word perichoresis, which is the word used to describe the Trinity, three in one. The word perichoresis, the word used to describe the Trinity, the root word of it means to enter in or to be placed. What does Jesus say? Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. And rest means what? Placement. Choreo from choresis means to dance in a cyclical movement. So perichoresis is something that many refer to as a circle dance. You hear that? A circle dance. When you enter into rest, meaning placement, you are placed into divine communion and you are intended to enter into a circle dance. Let me say it again. When you enter into rest, I got to jump in a minute. When, When you enter into rest, meaning divine placement, you're placed into divine communion and you're intended for a circle dance. The circle dance is a picture of the communion of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's not, make sure y'all see this, it's not Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is a communion of all three in a constant rhythm. Okay? Perichoresis was also used to describe a wedding dance of the Greeks. And it was a dance that always required not two, but at least how many do you think? Three. And what would happen is the dance would start in circles, and the people would weave in and out the circle going faster and faster and faster, but no matter how fast the dance got, they kept in perfect rhythm. And the goal of the dance was to get so quick and so effortless that the dance became a blur. The mutual communion of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is not a hierarchy of roles. It is a circle dance communion of all three working in perfect rhythm and unity. Meant to be in such rhythm and, commu- and, and unity 
that it is as if it was a blur because you can't tell the difference between Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So if you're getting caught up in this, do I pray to Jesus or pray to the Father or pray to the Holy Spirit, understanding that you can't pray to one without the other two. Because they're in perfect communion. No wonder we have the phrase dance like David danced. Because his dance was walking into a divine communion with the perichoresis circle dance. Let me read the, the, the passage from 2 Samuel 6. Verse 14. David danced before the Lord with all his might wearing a priestly garment. What was he wearing? Okay, keep that in mind. So David and all the people actually, I need, I need let me get three kids. Uh, come, come on up here. We got one. I, I need two more, two more kids or adults, whoever wants to come up here and just look foolish. We got one. Yeah, come up here on the stage. We got, we got Philip and we got, oh, we got, hey, um, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, you come and I want you, yeah, come on, you get up on stage and I want you to stand right here and wait, okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want y'all to just hold hands in a circle. And the whole time I read this passage, I want you to spin slowly. Not, not that slow. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Is this too distracting? Can y'all pay attention to me reading the scripture? Now, th th y'all know what this is, right? This is a picture of the circle dance of who? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, watch this. David danced before the Lord with all his might. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt. In other words, she got offended. Just like church people. Verse 17. That was a joke. Chill out. Verse 17. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent. Y'all still spinning? Good. That David prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people returned to their homes. When David returned to his home, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. And she said, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. Now, people get this wrong because we think David danced out of his clothes. Because she said, you exposed yourself. But what did I have you point out in the beginning? What was he wearing? In other words, he exposed him without royalty. He took off of his royal robes. And he exposed himself as a common man. I'll just stay right there for a second. <laughs> Y'all still spinning? Don't worry, just keep your Hawaiian shirt on. Just... <laughs> Y'all pay attention now. Verse 21. David retorted, I was dancing before the Lord 
who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as a leader of Israel, the people of the Lord, so I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. He was distinguished in that he was identified as common to the ordinary eye. Because David knew that where they say, they say they, he exposed himself as ordinary, he knew that he was in a dance with royalty and had no right to wear the robes. Are you so distinguished and that you've entered in the dance that the way you live is from an expression of being in the circle? Are you so distinguished in a communion with God that your life is about getting in the circle and not just watching it. Because this is what religion is. Here's your turn. Come here, right here. I want you to just watch it. Me and you going to watch. Religion is we just watch the circle dance and we worship God and we say, God, would you please come? Would you please do this? Would you please heal? Would you, would you, would you, would you, would you, would you? And what we do is we have communion at a distance from God. But he says, I am in you, you are in me, and I want to invite them into that oneness. So the correct pop posture of us is not to watch the circle dance but to get open that hand up in the circle dance <laughs> and then what happens is when we start to get in the dance we start to move with God and it gets faster and it gets faster and it gets faster and it gets faster faster and before you know it it's such a blur that pff, revival all right, all right, I'm going to stop now. We need healing in the name of Jesus. Can y'all give them a hand for getting up here? <laughs> you see, communion is not let's come to the altars we've built and gaze at God. It's I want you in the dance. In the dance, not outside of it. And I, I can even prove it with Scripture. John 17, verses 20 through 23. I'm not praying not only for, I, I am praying not only for these disciples, but who, for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Is that anybody in here? <clears throat> I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And, th and may they be not with us, in us so that the world will believe that you sent me how will the world that is worshiping everything but God come to know that Jesus is true when we stop gawking at the circle and get in the circle and start to dance in a way that distinguishes us as the bride of Christ because we don't have to put on a royal robe, we're identified as royalty. Amen. You hear that? Yeah. You see, David gave up his robes, but he didn't give up royalty. Because yeah. he was a 
king in the kingdom of God. And not only does God call us priests, but he says, you will be my priests and you will be my what? Kings. In Revelation, when it says he is the king of kings, that is capital K, king of little k, kings. Meaning you are all kings and you are to be managing and stewarding this world under the king, which is not just King Jesus, but the three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you don't just depend on your knowledge. You get in a circle dance of Holy Spirit what you got. Oh, I'm feeling this. Oh, it's not just unity with each other. You see, we, we, we've, we, we've missed it. It's not just unity with each other, the church. It's the church in unity getting in the circle. <sighs> to dance with the Trinity, we need to overcome the worry about getting all the steps right. Because the Greek word perichoresis is referring to, partly referred to an actual Greek dance where in order to spin fast and become a blur, you better make sure you don't trip. But the fullness of God says, I have given you divine grace so that when you trip, you don't have to actually, let me get, let me get three kids, really, really, quick, really quick, three kids, two over here and uh, yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on, come, come up here. I want, I want to make sure I, I drive this point home. Y'all know what to do. Get up in that circle. <laughs> y'all, y'all start spinning. Be, because what, 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 what we do is, is Grace says, if you're, if you're in the circle and you trip, so let me get in the circle. I, I'm in the circle, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, um, I sin. I mess up. Okay, we're going. Grace says, I don't have to stay here and earn my way back into the circle. It's change the way you think and get back in step. Repentance, change the way you think. Not, oh God, I'm so horrible. I'm, I'm a bad person. No, no, no. You are not. You are blameless and holy before God. You are the righteousness of God. He says, what repentance is, is change the way you think and say, oh, I'm blameless. Let me get back in the dance. And what the, y'all are good. Thank y'all so much again. And what religion has done is convinced you that you have to earn your way to get back into step. There are so many people coming into this house who have made mistakes, who have had past that would, some religion would prevent you from ever serving in a place again and I'm telling you that we are entering into a day where your eyes need to be open that no matter what you've done if you have a revelation that he is Christ and he is king he has made you right to get in the dance it is it is not just come up here and get some bread and juice it's I commune in seventh day rest in the circle dance of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all the days of my life you you want want to know how you get to a place where you're not consumed with guilt and shame the revelation that you're invited to circle dance it's not I need to accept Jesus so that the Father will love me It's Jesus is the way into the circle, and you don't just get him, you get all of it. That's why when you're saved, you are filled with Holy Spirit, and baptism is not necessarily, I will get Holy Spirit. 
baptism of Holy Spirit is I'm going to submit to the Holy Spirit that is in me so that I will be fully immersed in his presence. Because see, what what happens in the spirit-filled expression, which a lot of us have been in, I've been in, we're taught that get saved and then get baptized in the Holy Spirit. But it's not that you don't have Holy Spirit, it's get immersed in knowing him. And when you're immersed in knowing him, and when you know him, you don't just know him. Because he's helper and advocate. His Holy Spirit, Father, and Son, in knowing him, all of a sudden you get so lost in the blur of the circle dance that one day you're walking around and God tells you something about someone you don't know and you happen to be right. Because he gave you a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. Or this has happened three times in this house in a year and a half that I've been preaching and people who don't speak English hear the message. What was the language again? Portuguese and Spanish. Even one time, like recently, like uh, two months ago, where a Portuguese woman who could not speak English read the slides in Portuguese. Look. So, 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 uh, uh, yeah. So if your religious mind thinks that a tongue is only something that is audible. And, and, and you, know what, you know what we should be willing to do? Get so lost in the circle that we don't try to come up with a theology to explain it. We're just... And, and, and that's called getting drunk in the spirit. Just, <laughs> are, are y'all receiving this? Like this is such a huge revelation. Some of you may, may, may know this, but I, I, I need you to hear me. Where we're going this year is we're trying to get into a circle dance expression because we're not just worshiping God, but we're communing with God. You know, there's a lot of people who worship false idols. And they do better at that posture worship than some Christians. So we need to understand it's not just about this, but it's, it's about getting in the dance. It's about a day-to-day, moment-by-moment communion with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you can't get one without the others. And it's going to challenge you. Because people are going to express themselves in ways you haven't seen. And you know how I know you got out of circle dance? Because you're too critical of the blur. And I'm saying that because I'm going to say this for me. I have been guilty of it. I went on a marriage retreat last weekend with my wife. As if I would go on that with anyone else. (laughs) And, and I can't remember when, but we, I, I think it was that weekend. Because, you know, when, when, you go to, when you go to marriage conference or a marriage retreat, like, you, you need to get ready for things to get real. And we were talking about, I go to a lot of churches on Sundays. I always get asked to come play piano, and I, I, serve, I serve a lot of ministries. We've probably gone to four or five churches just since we've been married. That's only been three months we've been married. Um, and that's four or five churches multiple times. 
And she called it out. She said, you know, your posture of worship is at Relentless looks a lot different than when you go in these houses on Sundays. I said, what do you mean? She said, because instead of just finding a place where you can enter in, you're criticizing everything they say and their style. And you know what the Lord showed me? He says, no matter where I put you, your focus needs to be, where's the circle? What, what kind of dance is going on in this house? You know, God sent me a wife because only she could tell me I was wrong, you know. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, though, it was a big moment for me because I realized I preach that God is the same everywhere. So is my gaze fixed on how they're doing it or communion in the circle? And church, unity is where, we're, where, where we want to move together is we have to be willing to get lost in simply the blur of the circle. There's a reason that some of these things are above our understanding. Can I, can I say it even plainer? The, the inappropriate take and eat in the garden was from a tree called knowledge. And we get more obsessed with trying to get all the knowledge about what's right and wrong that you missed the chance to get in the circle. Hmm. God, we just worship you. We thank you for how good you are, how perfect you are, how loving you are. Father, forgive me. Forgive us for ever thinking your love was less than the love of Christ. Church, I want to invite you when we leave this place. Don't live a life where you just sit and watch God move and hope it happens. Live a life where you're every day just, Lord, show me the circle. Thank you for inviting me into the circle. He's made you right. There's, you, you have gifts. You have abilities. They will come so alive if you will stop worshiping the circle and worship in the circle. Dare I say it's not simply walking with God. It's walking in God. He doesn't want to just take you by the hand. He wants you as one with him. Do you want to know why the Lord wants to heal the sick through us? Because we will heal the sick 
and bring the miraculous from heaven to earth. Not because we're getting, not because we're earning the right, but because we're getting so lost in the circle that our natural expression is simply godlike. That we don't have to pray about forgiving someone for months because it's too hard. We're so lost in the circle dance that forgiveness is our natural. We can't hold on to bitterness or even have revengeful thoughts because the only thing we're consumed with is holy, holy, holy. That we don't come into church on a Saturday night wondering what's going to happen. Like, I hope God shows up. Whether you come into church Saturday nights and you're home on Sunday morning and your workplace Monday through Friday in a posture of Lord, no matter where I go, I'm in the dance. You see, the, the church would move from a place of I hope the team does good to get me there to a I want to get so lost in him that wherever I go, people see a distinguished circle dance. That's communion. Father, Son, Holy Spirit inviting me in. Get in the dance. Let's stand. Can we, just, can, we just, can we just give him praise for how good he is? Just, just worship him. God, you are so good. You are holy. He loves you. He never wants to leave you, never abandons you. He just wants you to enter in. He made you right to do so. You don't have to earn the right to get in. He has purchased the right for you to get in. To dance like David danced. To do even greater works than Jesus himself because he says, it's not just you doing it. You're in communion with the dance of the one who is. The ecclesia, the church getting together should not be a place coming because we hope we get a really good inspirational speech. It's a place where we gather together to get in the circle and allow Holy Spirit, Father, and Son to reveal whatever needs to be revealed. Sometimes it's a threshing floor moment of, Lord, I have, I, I have been separate from you. And all these things in my life and in my mind are being revealed. And Lord, I want to give them to you. If that's you tonight, I want you to know as soon as I say amen, you can stay in here as long as you need.
and just be with God. We're going to have some prayer people up here at the front, if you would. If you want, you can come to them if you need prayer. If you want to stay in your seats, that's fine. If you want to take communion again, come up here and take communion. I also say that there's also moments when we're in this circle dance posture that maybe the Lord doesn't reveal things that you've done wrong or maybe he doesn't reveal things that you need to get right necessarily. Maybe the thing that you need to get right is not a behavior, but more so just saying, Father, here are my hands. Father, here are my feet. I'm tired of being separate from you. Maybe all you need to do is let, Lord, I'm in the dance. I've gotten reports this week of people being diagnosed with illnesses, pains, hurts. Let your posture be, Lord, I am not going to approach this diagnosis outside of the dance. That when, I, that when I go into the doctor, I'm going in in a dance. I know who's the Lord. The diagnosis is not the Lord. Maybe you've been in so much religion that you've made some mistakes and you're scared to get in the house because of what's been done to you. So I say house, let's make sure we're so in the circle, so in the blur that we don't have time to pass judgment, whether to bring them into the circle and let God do the business. Get in the dance. I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, I ask that all conversations go to the lobby. The lights are going to dim down in a minute, and we're just going to set this atmosphere for you to take as much time as you want. Just get in the dance. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come straight to me as soon as I say amen. And I'm not even going to lead you through a 45-page declaration. It's going to simply say, declare he's Lord and love him, and enter in the dance. Whatever you need to do, take the time to do it. Lord, we thank you for this word. And I pray that as we leave tonight, that we leave with a mindset and a heart to get in the dance that is communion with you, God. That you, the Godhead, three in one, the Trinity, you are not something to just look at. You are something that that we are invited to enter in. You, you are three persons as one, and you're inviting us into that communion relationship, God. Let this house get so lost in the dance that we get so blurred that we don't have time to ask questions. All we have time to do is say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys.